Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Read? What's happening? Am I dead? I bet you like zombie books. I like food. Do you have food? You don't need food at dividedbyzerobooks.com. It's full of nutrient-rich science fiction. Ugh, I'm stuck in an ad, aren't I? Once I stop talking, reality will collapse until someone plays this ad again. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion, and it won't be the last. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Hey, this is Derwin from the Blank Fortress Solitude. And this week I have another old friend of mine who was always very kind to me. And I spoke about him on a couple episodes about how when I was far away from people I cared about and far away from home, he was there for me. And so I want to tell his story. I want to spotlight him a little bit. And today we have a a veteran of both the United States Navy and the United States Army, Raj Sinha. Hey, Raj, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you for having me. So your parents are both immigrants. And so you're the child of immigrants, right? So where are your folks from? My dad's from Hajipur, India, um, and my mom is from Krefeld, Germany. Wow. How did those two crazy kids meet? A blind date in Syracuse, New York, out of all things. <laughs> so they were both like naturalized by that point, or were they just visiting in the States? Well, originally the plan, uh, from what my dad told me, his plan was to come over here, get his degree, go back to India, and then... T- and, you know, bring some of the Western culture over there um, and all he's learned um, being out of India. My mom's plan was to come over to New York, um, go to medical school, uh, and then go back as a nurse to Germany and bring all the information she had pretty much, you know, and what she learned in school over there. Yeah. And um, all that changed when they were set up on a blind date. Um, Yeah. And about couple of years later my sister was born a couple of years after or a year after that i was born and then i was like yeah there's no returning to our country so yeah. they, they 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 cut the bug and 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 stayed in america that's so great i'm glad they did because then i got to meet you um okay so where'd you grow up at where was like a home base or were you more nomadic long island new york um montauk point is really the only place that i called home um it's dude it's a wonderful quiet town well now uh it's all like city people and like you know all fancy and all oh the hamptons oh all this <laughs> but when i grew up there you could get a slice of pizza and uh a coke for about a dollar fifty hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah you could still buy baseball cards for under uh i don't know two three dollars yeah so yeah, yeah. So that was kind of your thing, baseball, Coke, real Americana upbringing, huh? Oh, comic books. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Go mow some grass, get, get about 5 or $10 for mowing an acre. Yeah. <laughs> and then you and your buddy go out and you get a, a Coke, a pizza. And then, you know, there you go. Go to the comic book store, get you a $1.25 comic. And then you have, still have enough money to go over to the baseball card shop and get some baseball cards if you want or get one of those little packs of baseball cards. I mean, that's just a fun night on the big city to me. Um, oh. So then you went to high school there and you stayed there the whole time? Yes, sir. Very cool. So you uh, joined the Navy right after high school. Is that right? 
Um, actually, no. I went to college for a little bit there in Suffolk County Community College. And then after September 11th, man, I was already thinking about going into the military because college is expensive. It was like, oh, it's $600 for a semester. And I was like, um, yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> and working, I was working three jobs, one full-time, two part-time. And I was also donating time to the hospital so that this way I could get my EMT certification. And it was just killing me. I was sleeping in my car. I was sleeping in my car before my full-time job. My full-time job was as a lifeguard, so I could at least go in there and shower and change. But And then they, they took pity on me at the hospital. Uh, and they were like, hey, you look like you're sleep deprived. I'm like, what's sleep? <laughs> So they, they used to let me lay down in the uh, MRI machine. They're like, it's really quiet in there. We'll only wake you up if we have a patient we need to use. But this one's broke right now. So <laughs> take a nap. It's like a sensory I, deprivation tank. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. So, I mean, they were the best times because they build character and they let you know, you know, hey, look, I can do things. Exactly. I, I've got a brother-in-law and he's working like in a factory where he's like stirring paint or something. Like he's in a hazmat suit all day, but the kid's making, I say kid, he's 24, 25, but the kid's making like amazing money, especially for his age. And he's working nonstop like a madman. And I'm like, that's really great age to do it. Is if you're single in your early twenties, just work eight jobs and then never see the sunlight. And then when you're in your thirties, life's good. <laughs> oh yeah. And then you, you get to have kids, you get to continue the generations. And then you get to be that funnel grandpa yeah. that doesn't, but he's rules because he makes them all. <laughs> you can pay for everything. Yeah. You want breakfast? Let's go kids. Exactly. Diabetes I, are not damned. <laughs> there's a, there is an app for that. It's a new vaccine. It'll be fine. Um, yeah. So you joined the Navy. What was that like? What'd you do there? Oh, I was, um, I, I was, um, I volunteered for submarine service. Really? Yeah. What was um, that like? Oh, dude, talk about, you know, those people, that I felt like Dracula living in a coffin, sleeping in a coffin. Um, you know, not seeing the sunlight was major for me. Um, I'd come out looking yellow and jaundice almost oh, uh, after, after a month out, out at sea. It so was like ridiculous. I, I've never once set foot on a naval vessel for, you know, outside of like a museum piece or something. But from what I understand, there'd be like a bunk and it's, you know, just big enough for like a short guy to sleep on. And then three guys share that bunk and they take eight hour rotating shifts on who gets to sleep there. Is that right? Yep. yep. Fuck that. <laughs> or, um, it's called hot racking. Yeah. Or on top of torpedoes wait what now you sleep on top of torpedoes they put they put the um they put these little uh racks on top of the torpedoes because in in a submarine your space is valuable yeah. space like it's real estate it's like the world nowadays oh five acres that'll cost you a billion dollars yeah you know we don't have that much so we're not making more so <laughs> you're sleeping on top of torpedoes and i remember the first time i was sleeping on top of them uh, remembering the Kursk and that the Russians uh, Russians always had the uh, hydrogen torpedoes. So I'm thinking, I wonder if we still use that technology. Because if so, hydrogen cyanide gas is bad. It kills you without you knowing. Hey, you know what? At least I'll be asleep. I mean, uh, 
there's want... worse ways to go. My, my parents will get a million dollars. It'll be all great. They could pay off their debt. You know. Exactly. Life insurance <laughs> is awesome. Um, yes. Damn. Fuck. Yeah, I know. I, I, you know. I mean, of course, you know, like, I'm out of the service now myself, like you are, and I'm, I wouldn't want to live in a barracks again either. You know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Know. I have my oh. own space, and I don't want to share it with anybody but my wife. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't handle submarine service. That's why I got out. Yeah. Um, so I what was your gonna... job on the submarine? Like, was there, can, can you talk about that at all? Yeah, I was an electronics tech. Um, uh, navigations. Uh, we did navigation and IC circuits at the time. Um, and then also on top of that, on any submarine, you have extra duties, like, uh, anything you're talented at. And I already had my EMT certification. So it was the first responder. I could swim like you wouldn't believe they knew I was a lifeguard. So I was the rescue swimmer. Um, the, uh, I was trying to train to be the rescue diver, but I didn't, I didn't make it through all of that. I was like, yeah, no. When they're like, hey, we're letting people out that don't want to be on subs. I was like, that's me. That's totally, <laughs> I'm six foot four on a submarine. I have to put my neck like it's a pillow or slunch over and almost walk in the fetal position. No, I'm good with not being here. I haven't seen sunlight since, I don't even know if there's sun out there anymore. Is it 2012? Have we hit the calendar end? So, yeah couldn't i couldn't handle that i really couldn't handle it as well as other people uh, did and i couldn't i can cope with it so when they gave me the opportunity to get off i i did and i was like you know what um i'll go to i'll go to shore duty i'll do this i'll do that and they're like okay well your contract's over so you're good to go i'm like oh good <laughs> i'm good to go there so, you go so yep. where did you no and again if you can't talk about anything i get it yep. but did you, did you go anywhere like cool on the sub? Did you... We went to, um, well, I was in Norfolk, um, started off in uh, Great Lakes doing uh, basic, uh, you know, basic uh, training for Navy. And then uh, went down to Groton, Connecticut to sub school and to pretty much AIT. Yeah. Um, it, and, you know, then I went to Norfolk, Virginia. That was my first stationing. And I was, uh, I, I love Virginia, dude. It was like, holy crud there's a city of a of an installation i can do everything here i don't have to go three towns over i don't have anything i can i can stay right here and get everything done and so i enjoyed the crud out of it and i would i went through c school i got like advanced teaching and this that those and the others and all sorts of fun stuff playing like video games forever and then when i first got on the sub and we first went out that's when it was like oh yeah I kind of wish they would have done this for us before we volunteered or, you know, even after we volunteered and then said, hey, um, you guys still think you can handle it? Because uh, I couldn't. We, we got, you know, after after a couple months on deployment, I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I don't ever want to do this again. But we were off the coast of Virginia. We were guarding after September 11th. We were mainly guarding uh, the shore. Um, Near the capital. It, yeah. Um, we were, we've chased, uh, we tra chased a couple of Russian Akulas, which yeah. was really cool because it was like <gasps> hunt for red October. Like, <laughs> That's and, fucking awesome. Can you go more into that? Well, uh, not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. Hold, hold, hold on a second. Someone's called me. Oh, Corey. Hello. Hey. 
Miranda. How are you? Hi, Miranda. This is not Ellie Ma, is it? This is not Ellie, no. <laughs> no, I called the wrong number. I'm so sorry. That is okay. <laughs> Have a good day. Thank you. Yep. Not sure who Miranda is, but we're going to block that number. Um, you might want to put it out there. Hey, Ellie Mar, uh, Miranda's looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie Mar, Miranda's looking for you. <laughs> uh, if, if you're listening to this podcast when it comes out later. <laughs> Get your shit together, Ellie Mar. <laughs> and give her the right number, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway. So we, we, uh, we, you know, chased around in a cool and the whole time I'm thinking, I wonder if he's going to pull a crazy Ivan. And they're like, dude, Hollywood is not reality. Stop thinking like movies. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it was something else. Uh, we also, um, we were also off the coast, uh, watching for drug boats coming in, um, which was really cool because, you know, the coast guard has helicopters. They have this, they have that, but you can see all that stuff or hear it. You get a submarine with a periscope that can record. And then you see exactly what they're dropping off. Then you could send the Coast Guard to pick it up. And it's like, look, we got video of you dumbasses dropping this stuff everywhere. So we did that um, right before uh, we were going to go up to an all-girls college in Quebec. Shut up. Uh, what? <laughs> and then uh, something came through and destroyed the pier or something like that. Or they had a natural disaster. I forgot exactly what it was. And uh, wait, we weren't able Wait, wait, wait. Why were you going to go to an all-girls college in Quebec? Just to give us liberty, get us off the boat, get everybody's morale back up. <laughs> the 90s were wild, man. Yeah. Shoot. Uh, anchors away. They still drink to the foam. You know, yeah. two hour uh, last night on the shore, drink to the foam until we uh, meet once more. Here's wishing you a happy voyage home. Yeah, they took that, uh, you know, drink to the foam out because apparently that's not part of the new professional military. Which is a freaking joke. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, they want all professional. No no tattoos, no this, no that, no cussing, no spitting, no violence. Unless we tell you it's okay. Well, I mean, I think, and I've thought about this, right? I put a lot of thought into that, too. Because there is a lot of that, but also we're, like, bombing a lot of places. Like... <laughs> We're also like we're in Afghanistan for twenty years. Yeah, and so like I think a lot of that is just kind of like it's recruiting bullshit, right? It's it's stuff where they're like, oh, you know, it's cool because we're cool to different types of people now, which is great. Anyway, so you're out of the navy. Yes, sir. What happens next, dude? I was contracting making good money um uh, you know met uh my wife at the time towards uh the middle to end of my navy career um and the one that i just got divorced from a couple years ago (laughs) um and uh so met her uh she had my stepson joey at the time and um my stepson and you know he he forced me to grow up uh in a good way not in a bad way because it's like Oh my goodness, I'm responsible for a life. Not like, you know, you and me hanging out, responsible for each other's lives. Like, hey, if you do something wrong, uh, I got your back, dude. No problem. Um, If I drink too much and you have to throw me in a cab and tell me not to stand a watch, no problem. (laughs) But but actually, like, no, I need to feed this little guy. I need to clothe him. I need to love him. Um, I need to put him in the bath. 
like it uh, matters if you yeah. die now like because yeah. before because like like i've been married for two minutes which is technically five minutes or two years which it feels it was technically five minutes although in pandemic time i feel like it's 10 years and so like it matters if i die kind of but my wife is far more successful and smarter and more talented than i'll ever be so you know she'll be fine but like if there's like a little tiny version of me if the lord sees fit to bless us with children then uh then it really matters if i croak yeah. you know <laughs> like, yeah and like when you're single no like your parents look at the shit maybe but you know, outside of them who cares okay so you're contracting what what does that mean contracting go into that well, long story short, working for companies, uh, updating the uh, HH-60 Blackhawk helicopter manuals prior to them, um, uh, how to say, uh, scrapping the project <laughs> and mothballing it. I, and I said I said something about that when they were telling us about the contract. I'm like, okay, you guys are going to scrap these or mothball these. Why do you want to update the tech manuals? That have already been paid to do so. Well, Yeah. And it's like, that does not make sense to me. That's like, hey, you know what? I'm scrapping this car, but before I do, let's get it new tires, a new engine, brand new interior, make it look like the day we bought the car. And, uh, and send it to the yard. <laughs> yep, and send it to the scrap yard. So this way they'll be happy to receive our scrap. <laughs> so, oh, that's like a huge waste of money to me, fellas, but okay. They probably just sold it to like Turkey or Israel or something. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but that's what they said. They said in case they ever um, commission it again and get it out of, uh, you know, they need an updated tech manual. And it's like, yeah, okay. So when, when about did you uh, re-up back into the service, into the Army? Uh, so I got out of the uh, Navy in 2004. <clears throat> uh, I was contracting for about four years. And in 2008, after the whole Great Recession, yeah. dude, come drying up. I was living in other states where they paid high. So this way I could support my family in Georgia where the cost of living was really low. Yeah. So at that point I was like, this is not worth it. I get to see my family twice a year. You know, it's like, I don't exactly, they, they, they don't know if I exist. I don't know if they exist. You know, it's not like I can just be like, Hey, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Everything. Okay. I'll um, see you in six so months. <laughs> So I was like, you know what? Let me go into the military. Um, and uh, I went to talk to the Navy again. And I was like, hey, I want to be a corpsman. I want to do this. want to do that. And I don't ever want to see a submarine again. And they told me, guess what? We'll put you back on a submarine as an E-1, this, that, those, and the others. And I'm like, that's exactly what I asked <laughs> to happen. And they're like, I believe it. I'm going to go down the hall and talk to the, uh, the Army. Now, Mr. So Sinha, you have two options. You can either go fuck yourself or go back in as an e1 yeah i like that you picked go fuck yourself and then you walked out the door good for you yeah i told him i said i'm gonna go right down the hall and talk to the army i went in there they're like oh dude medic easy no Please. problem they're like oh, we'll put you back we can't put you back as an e5 we'll put you back as an e4 or uh, sorry an e3 and i said okay that doesn't sound too bad they're like, you won't have to go through boot camp again, but you'll go to warrior transition, the warrior transition, um, warrior, tra uh, what was it? Warrior, warrior transition. The something. course, it, it, it's a refresher course with like, tells you, it reminds people how to, who like had been out for five minutes to, to had a salute or whatever. Oh yeah. That was awesome. It was, it was honestly like camping, man. 
it, it was great. I mean, we were still able to smoke cigarettes. We were able to keep our cell phones. We were able to be adults. Um, kind of like back in uh, uh, when, you, when we went to AIT as prior service. They gave us respect and they treated us right. They told us what our hit times were. Nothing was ever guesswork. Um, you know, it was like, hey, you guys wake up at seven or five or four, whatever time they wanted us to wake up and get this knocked out. We could be done by this time. And this is this is the time for chow. So if you guys want to drag butt, so be it. Uh, so it was it was it was a great refresher. And it was um, we were kind of more human beings at that point rather than boots and worthless bodies, as they called most people. No, but I, I loved it, man. I loved it. We went out. We, you know, we did army stuff. We did some camping. We did some hiking. We did some fishing. You know, the whole nine. Sure. <laughs> we did some shooting. We watched some stuff go boom. You know, the yeah. good stuff in the military. We got to shoot really awesome weapons, like everything in our inventory. The only thing is, um, in Fort Sill, they did not allow us to shoot the 50 cal because apparently, prior to that, in 2009. Um, somebody was accidentally shot with the wrong round, which is very tragic, dude. Um, and you know, a 50 a cal of, round, that 50 cal round. Oh, yeah, shit. Oh, yeah, they're dead. Oh, yeah, they're beyond dead. Yeah, they were, they were pissed on the benches that we were sitting on. Wow, so yeah, um, they said it, it was tragic because, um, you know, they had you know how they have the green tip round the black tip round the this tip round this is the training round this is the dummy round this is the this round uh, you know they, they go through that whole thing apparently um one of the drill sergeants wasn't playing att paying attention and uh the recruit wasn't paying attention and they were also not really following gun safety by pointing the weapon at a crowd of people sitting down so yeah oh look it up and that was 2009 what in the fuck Phil. Yeah, a PFC died, not even in combat, just in training, because a bunch of dummies along the way couldn't figure out which type of round it was, if it was live or not, and that it wasn't safe to point a weapon at somebody that you weren't intending to do harm to. So, okay, so we met in yes. medic school. What are your memories of medic school? Because you just heard my podcast, I talked all about mine. Medic school was actually pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like uh, prior service being prior service, we could smoke, we could drink, we could eat other foods, um, other than the crap that they wanted. They gave us a little bit more respect, um, or at least valued our opinions, <laughs> shall we say, uh, more so than when the kids were, or we called them the kids, were, were talking about, you know, oh, this isn't fair, drill sergeant, we can't do this. And it's like, well, shut the fuck up and just try. Just wait, bud. It gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you think this is bad? Wait. You didn't have so, that overwhelming sense of sadness and anxiety that the rest of us had. Oh, um, yeah. No, actually, I talked to one of them and on a previous episode, and he was talking to me like, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, like he's out now and he's he's doing other things. And he's like, yeah, I, I, uh, 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 fuck, what do you say? He's like, yeah, we looked at you guys like, oh, they're really experienced. And like, oh, they've been around the block. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I was a PFC. I'd been a supply clerk for maybe 24 months before I got there. So yep. I was just about in the same spot you guys were. I just, like, they just assumed that I wasn't going to, you know, like, light the place on fire. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, like Charlie Company did have orgies in the freaking, uh, what was it, in the rec room? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Were you with me when we were looking at the video thing? Because like, there's like a, like a like a video camera monitor that monitored all the different day rooms in two three two battalion. This was 2009, yep. so I'm sure it's all very different now. Oh and, yeah, and like, there's all these different day rooms in the Charlie Company day room. People are just watching it, and then you see there people getting friendly, and then drill sergeants walk in and they scatter like cockroaches. Yep. <laughs> that like, made you feel like God. <laughs> like, oh, I could see everything. I had no idea yeah. this existed. <laughs> oh, yeah. That and uh, like my memories of it were, it was great, dude. We got to, you know, we got to play around with blood and guns. And then also we got to work out. That was probably the best part about it. Yeah. Like, remember you and I went over the NATO course when I was trying to improve my runtime? <laughs> I forgot <laughs> all about that. Yeah. Dude, even the camping out there was uh, like, or sorry, uh, the field training out there, not camping. But I mean, it, was, it was pretty awesome camping. Like, yeah. it, was, it was the best camping trip we'll ever go on. Yeah, exactly. We ate freaking good. Yeah. Um, I remember um, uh, the Lazy-Eyed Psycho drill sergeant. I remember Sergeant Candy Bar. Sergeant Candy Bar. Uh, the chick, the really big chick. That was a staff sergeant going to sergeant first class that one morning came out with a Snickers bar and just pushed it into her mouth. Like what? Like (laughs) inhaled that thing. She deep throated a Snickers. Yup, dude. And she, she didn't even chew. She swallowed that thing whole. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot about that. She probably orders a liter of cola, you know? (laughs) Or a large farm, I think they call it. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But yeah, dude, I remember um, I remember that, and I remember making fun of her. You gotta run faster than that, A-Train! <laughs> and she'd try and go out on those A-Train runs, and it's like, lady, you couldn't keep up with A-Train. <laughs> what, what, what's A-Train? Like, talk about that. A, B, and C. Um, A-Train was the alpha runners, the ones that were like, you know, four-minute miles, five-minute miles, all that. And then, you know, you had a slow pokes that were on C train. That's like yes. oh, campers. We're going to take a, a brisk walk at a pace. That's not fast enough to call it a run, but not <laughs> slow enough to call it, um, a, you know, a brisk. Walk. So we're going to kind of jog, maybe walk a little bit, then jog some more, then walk a little bit. And, you know, they used to do stuff to try and improve us and get us up to that level of a train, like the 3060s, uh, because 6120s were out of the question for most of us. <laughs> <laughs> I I was always one of those guys because you had to get 180 points, 60 in each event to pass the, the physical fitness test back in the day. I don't know what it is now because I know they just updated it like yeah. the year I got out. Um, And I was always one of those guys. I was like, oh, I got 182. I did extra. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I remember it was the run that killed me. It was never the push-ups, never the sit-ups. It was sure. always... And um, I found out why, because my back was jacked, dude. I ended up breaking my back, my neck, my this, my that, my those, my the others. Yeah. Um, later on in, uh, later on in, uh, in, in, um, oh goodness, uh, in El Paso. Well, let, but... let, let's transition into El Paso because okay. we'll, we'll, we'll touch, we'll cycle, circle back to that in a second. Um, you and I and a bunch of the others met back yeah. up in El Paso and which was kind of cool i i remember you know i don't remember like 
who all was there and I don't really want to use names, but I, 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 there was a bunch of us that were all prior service. It was kind of like a prior service after party and there's 25 of us and we'd all hang out and stuff. And, 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 and I told the story on another podcast, how you helped me make my first aid bag. Yeah. I still remember that, bro. (laughs) And I still got it. I mean, it's different equipment now, but yeah. And we just go to the PX and do cool shit. What, what what do you remember about when we first got to El, El Paso? Oh, dude, I remember it being like this whole new. It looked like Iraq. Remember all the yeah. freaking, especially where I was on a uh, Bigs Army airfield. Yeah, it looked Iraq because it was nothing but trailers and desert and sand, and then a few helicopters flying every once in a while. Yeah, then go to the 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 major part or the main part of of the post and it's like okay this is kind of cool it looks like um 1970s 60s uh buildings uh need to be updated a little bit maybe a little facelift but hey um it's cool you felt like you're on the set of gun smoke in the 1960s (laughs) but okay we're in el paso and then that 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 um old western you know the original fort bliss the the whatever the mock-up that they did of it yeah that was like, hey, maybe we could stay here. <laughs> I remember that. I loved, dude, I loved El Paso. It was nice. I mean, the air wasn't so clean and all that. And I remember getting sinus infections all the time. But I remember we used to hang out. We used to go and, you know, get something to eat and something to drink, like, every night after after we were done with our formations and all that good stuff. I remember that was the uh, highlight. Like, hey, I'm going to hang out with Momo while the kids and the wife aren't here. Uncle Momo is going to come down and, uh, you know, we're going to go get something to eat. We'll go watch a movie. We'll uh, talk comic books. That was that was like the greatest part. Honestly, it wasn't the installation because you could be in Hawaii, dude, with people you hate. It's going to be the worst installation you've ever seen. Yet again, you could be in the worst place like Iraq, um, Afghanistan, um, Fort Bliss. And with the right people and, you know, a good vibe to the people and like people you get along with. That's what makes the installation. Exactly. Not the place. You know, there are people in Hawaii that hate it because their chain of command is like toxic and they don't have anybody they get along with. But I, I just remember being really jealous when we got to El Paso and looking on Facebook and all the pretty girls were off on the beach in Hawaii. They're like, yep. oh, look at us. We're having fun in the pool and in the beach and there's bikinis and whoa, we're having a good time. But I'm like, yep, we're in Texas. And- <laughs> I think I see a dust bowl coming this way. <laughs> like, oh, that guy's got a gun. Shit. <laughs> Brown out. Oh, crap. They're firing at the courthouse. <laughs> Don't go to Juarez, kids. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I, we, in El Paso, I just, I remember there was like a Navy captain who went to Juarez because he wanted to like see, go to a bar in Mexico, I guess, because he wanted to like, I don't, Don't, I don't know what happened, but the cartel caught wind of it because, like, a white dude with a military haircut was in a bar in Juarez. Clearly, he's in the military, so they shot up the whole bar, and they're, like, finding, it was, like, mass graves of dead women in farms outside of Juarez or something crazy, so I'm like, oh, I'm good, I'll just stay on base. Well, shoot, if you you look into the history of it, dude, look at um, El Chapo, El Chapo Guzman, um... He, we couldn't even uh, we couldn't even take him uh, we couldn't even take him and keep him in our prisons. That dude was warring. He was from the Sinaloa cartel. He was warring against the Juarez cartel. He was against this cartel and this cartel. 
And dude, the the body count was ridiculous because they were trying to prove a point to get the uh, war stopped. Yeah. And when you know that style of life, you know, I understand. <laughs> like, okay, well, body counts don't matter. These people don't matter. You know. I felt much safer in Iraq. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, do you remember the last time we went downtown? I don't even remember what we went downtown for. It was you and me. Mm-hmm. We're driving through downtown and we saw like freaking immigration, sheriff's department, everybody. And they're looking at a manhole and they got all their guns on this manhole. That's and I, I, I was, you, you looked at me and I was like, dude, <laughs> we're out of here. We got to fucking bounce. <laughs> <laughs> manhole, manholes are that dangerous. I, I don't even know what to say. It's not Ninja Turtles down there. No, 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 not at all. It's Ninja and Sinaloa it, cartels. Heck yeah. And they, they, they use the big bullets. Yeah. <laughs> they use the ones that kill you. I fast. kept reading when I was when I was in El Paso, they I kept reading about how the cartels were uh, they had I this was probably something like rumor, but they had people from Al Qaeda in Mexico training the Sinaloa cartels how to fight the Mexican army and stuff. But yeah, I'm Momo. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one. Um, honestly, it maybe how to make like incendiary devices and stuff like that. But the thing is too, the sad thing is, um, if you look at the cartel history and they have a great show on El Chapo Guzman's uh, life, um, it, it shows that that dude, he was a genius, just like Pablo Escobar. You know, he was enterprising. He was, you know, connecting. If his business was legal, he would be like, he was he was one of Forbes' most richest people down there for a while. Um, so, you know, I don't know about that because they had the power to buy. You know, they had the, uh, the power to buy the Mexican uh, Marines. And then the others would buy the Mexican police force. Sure. And then it was who you bought in government. And then... You know, shoot. I mean, you saw our Fast and Furious uh, project sending sending guns and all that down there to them. Did not you work know? out well. Did not work out yeah. the way they thought. Exactly. And the sad thing about that, too, is, you know, we were just waiting to, you know, you get a whole bunch of snakes together, see which one wins, and then make a deal with them or cut the, uh, cut the head off a snake. <laughs> but as we've seen... Every time we cut the head off a snake, a new snake emerges, and he's more powerful, more ruthless, everything else. So that's crazy. Yeah, rather kind of like in the Cold War, yeah. rather than you know than the enemy you don't know. Exactly. So. Okay, so for me, our friendship really bookends my deployment. Right, like I left in '09. And then came back late 10 or mid 10, right? I was gone about nine minutes. So around that time frame, what were things like? So where were you working? Were you in the clinic? Were you in the field? What were you doing? Um, dude, I was I was at Charlie Company. Shoot. No, Charlie Charlie Company, 125 BSB. Um, dude, we'd get loaned out to everybody um, for a while there. I loved it because um, the aerosol course, I was the aerosol medic for the longest time there. Freaking loved it, dude. What's that like? Uh, Talk about sit down um, after they know what you can do. Hey, Doc, take it easy. Go sit in the shade. It's like mash over here. You could sun suntan. Doc, you could do no wrong. Take off your pants. Take off your jacket. Do whatever you want, Doc. Just walk around with your aid bag. (laughs) Cool. Nobody's going to complain then. No problem, Doc. 
This was um, before women were integrated into the art, into the combat orb side of things. Well, they still were there, but they were just like, they didn't care. There you go. <laughs> and of course, back then I had a better looking body than I do now. So well, now I, I might- mean, everyone turns 40 eventually. I get it. Like, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think I aged in dog years the last five years. So my doctor oh. said I'm somewhere in my mid 60s. Uh, yeah, yeah, that happens. Yeah. That ha- but, um, dude, it was great. I loved, I loved it. I loved all the assignments I got. I even went to the field with, um, shoot, with uh, field artillery. Got How to was play that? around with stuff. And shoot, uh, I was scared of heights. So <laughs> on the uh, air assault course, they took me up to the uh, the tower there, which is, I think it was a 70-foot tower or 75-foot tower. Sure. Um, and, um, you know, they're like, they're doing falling drills, right? And nobody knew that they were going to do a falling drill. What's a falling was, drill? Um, long story short, um, when you're rappelling, if you say falling, your belay man is supposed to drop to his knees and put all his weight on that rope. So this way it stops you right in place. Well, um, none of the recruits were paying attention. So, Uh-oh. yeah. Um, I, I heard falling, falling, falling as they're hooking me up and about to lean me over the side. And then smack. This instructor goes falling right into the recruit that's supposed to be the belay man. Fuck. And I turned around and looked, and I was like, maybe this is not the smartest thing for your only medic to be doing up here. <laughs> and they're like, ah, shut up, doc. Just get over the side. What are you, a fucking pussy? <laughs> yeah, if I'm alive, I'll be a fucking pussy. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Did you see what the fuck happened to that guy? <laughs> and they're like, doc, that was one of our instructors. Don't worry about this. I'm like, okay, you guys got me? You got me? You sure you got me? They're like, yeah. Doc, we've done this only once or twice before. And then they lo- lean me over the side. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Um, Well, uh, ho- hopefully my arms have grown big enough that I can hang on to this rope in case everything else fails. <laughs> yeah. But, dude, I-, I got I got like right under the uh, tower, about five feet down. And I'm looking down and I'm like, this is kind of awesome. So, and after that, dude, I was kind of hooked. I went up again and again and again. They're like, Doc, you got to stop, man. <laughs> we want to go home. <laughs> That's Look funny. Our portion of the work here, Doc. You got to do this. You got to do that. I'm like, okay. Um, but then to kind of reward me, um, right before I was leaving for Germany, they let me rappel out of freaking uh, a Huey, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. How was that? Dude, that was that was exciting. That was a little bit more scary because it's more like a swing and a rappel. Sure. Shall I say? <laughs> so, but it was it was cool, dude. And flying in those Hueys, it's not when they turn towards the ground when you're facing the ground that it's scary. It's when they turn up and you're facing the sky that you feel you're going to fall backwards. Yeah. No, fuck that. I, you know, I, I always tell people my favorite part about being a soldier is being a veteran. And I'm like, yeah, I just... I just I learned the joys of composting in my backyard now. That's all I do. <laughs> and I go to Denny's and I eat for half price. <laughs> exactly. Right. Just twice a year. Yeah. Um, okay. So you left for Germany. That's right after El Paso. Germany was your next stop. Yes, sir. And I injured myself right before going to Germany. How'd you um, do it? I fell off the back of an LMTV, man. Full combat load. I was dealing with, of course, infantry and field artillery. And I was like, no, you're not going to jump out the back. I'm not going to deal with a whole bunch of broken ankles, this, that, those, and the others. And then explain that to your company commander why I let you jump out of the back of an LMTV with sure. a full con. 
let's not be stupid. Um, so I was like, I'm going to get down first. So any of you that try to jump, I'm going to freaking catch you. Um, they put the ladder up and all that. And dude, I was the first one to fall off that ladder. <laughs> and dude, it hurt so bad. I was laughing my ass off. Doc, so you, go- you gave everybody a big speech about how, listen, we're not going to hurt ourselves. We're not going to, fu- you're going to do this fucking safe. I'm going to show you how to do it the same way. And then you fuck yourself up going off the yep. back. Yep, dude. And so I went through physical therapy, this, that, those, and the others, and uh, aquatic therapy, all sorts of baloney. Um, and then uh, they were like, okay, it's time to go to Germany. Went to Germany. Great. Got to Germany. Dude, it was wonderful. It was freaking cold as hell. Um, you know, you experienced all four seasons with a little bit of a sprinkle of summer. Oh, maybe yeah. summer. Um, but the areas you could go to were amazing. Um loved it the family loved it and then while in kenderstag switzerland with the boy scouts i slipped on ice again and dude i fractured something so this time it was like yeah there's no fixing you you ain't gonna jump no more yep and you know at that point i was like "Ah, you know what you got me on so many pills i can't tell what up and down is I'm stoned 24 seven for my last year in the military. Um, you guys are putting... kicked out for that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's legal pills that, and I'm, I'm taking them as prescribed, but like, it's but... that sort of like Oxycontin sort of like amphetamine yeah. shit. They used to get everybody. Dude. I actually went to the ER once a week prior to the weekend. And they give me an IV of morphine and Valium. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I was in that much pain, dude. It was bad, Momo. I'm I'm really proud of you for not being like a drug addict. <laughs> oh, dude, uh, I was I was addicted, but again, my kids, dude. Uh, you know, my ex was like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'll be the breadwinner for the family. You know, you'll collect um, the VA stuff, and then you get to spend time with the kids, which is what I wanted to do, Momo. I wanted to spend some time with my kids. Um, you know, be able to be part of their lives, um, even the, the whole time, dude." Every time they had a school function or anything else, I was still there. Yeah. So I, I was there for every one of their 504 meetings, all, you know, educational, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, yeah, cool, cool, great. Dude, one day, um, I don't know what exactly happened, but my ex and our, uh, my first wife and I were, you know, at, in, in Texas with kids. And I was like, not feeling so good. You know, my back was hurting. So I went and took one of my pills. I passed out, dude. And she said something to me. She's like, look, you're going to watch the kids and you're going to pass out on your drugs. And then they're going to go pay, well, you know, out there, play out there. And what happens if one of them gets run over? Mind you, our daughter was four years old at the time, three years old. Sure. That was, uh, okay. I went through two weeks. Uh, I, I completely stopped taking my medication, dude. I flushed it down the toilet. I was like, you know, this is done. I, I'm not I'm not taking it anymore. I'll deal with the pain. I went through two weeks of agonizing pain. Come off uh, when you come off of any uh, narcotic, dude, your, your, your pain, it's like everything. Your receptors are awaking and awakened and you get this just. I don't know, pain everywhere. Everything you do is painful. And then also the the cold sweats and the shakes and the mood swings. 
and the uh, irritability. But, you know, the whole time I was like, I got to do this for my kids. I want to be there for my kids. Um, I've got to do this for them. Uh, there's no there's no other choice. And, you know, so I take extra like long, hot showers or baths. I take longer times in there to kind of loosen my muscles up. Um, and I started to talk to the VA and telling them, look, um, whatever you do, you put me on a narcotic. Um, that's not going to I'm not taking that. I'll tell you right now. You give me narcotics, I'm going to ask for another doctor. And they're like, okay. I said, you give me anything that's going to, how to say, oh, my faculties, um, it's it's going to be a no-go. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I always, and, and this isn't because of your specific story, but I've known a lot of guys, because this was 10 years ago, kind of before everyone realized, hey, maybe let's not give everyone opioids. Right, yeah. <laughs> like that's a that was go to drug, dude. We it it, it, the thing is, we keep relearning the same lessons as a society because a hundred years ago we were doing the same shit, and so we yeah. started doing it again. And I've always stayed very. The only time I ever, you know, took narcotics like that as prescribed was when I had my appendix out, and yeah. it felt like I got hit by a fucking bus. So oh, yeah. <laughs> But, um, so, okay. So you've kicked the drugs. Yeah. What happens next? Next, um, it's time to buy a house. Uh, dude, we, we were living with, um, my, uh, my first wife's aunt and, uh, things were getting tense as pea soup there. It's not like the military where it's like, Hey, we just make do, you know, I love how you're peeing on a podcast right now but please keep talking <laughs> to you with your dick in your hand that's fine <laughs> keep, keep well, well i figured uh you know what this is all military remember uh, i saw you out. looking in the camera trying to, in your eyes i saw you saying does he know that my dick's in my hand and i'm peeing right now yes he does but please continue <laughs> so anyway um we were uh, uh we were like kind of like in a situation where it was like you know it's thick as pea soup. You could cut the tension. And it was a small space. We were living, um, me and the kids and my first wife were living on a couch, um, you know, in one room that was maybe about 15 by 15. Rough. So, yeah. Um, you know, and we were, we were kind of, I, I'm grateful that they let us stay there um, because they weren't charging us rent or anything like that. Um, and I wasn't receiving my benefits yet. But it was like, okay, um, huh, let's see what we do. So we went and got a hotel room for about two months. Um, I went and talked to the DAV and they're like, look, we're going to put you up in a hotel because you are considered homeless right now. Um, we went, got put up in a hotel. Um, and then there was another program that was helping veterans find a rental house. We found a nice little rental house that was perfect, dude. It had about a half acre in the backyard where the kids could run around. We could shoot BB guns with, uh, I could shoot BB guns with the boys. We could burn trash or, or, you know, just, you know, make a nice little fire out there, pick up sticks, yeah. bonfire, fire, stuff like that. Make a life. Yeah. And um, then that was near Dallas. Um, then my first wife decided she wanted to go to Houston uh, because job opportunities were better down there. She goes to um, she goes to Houston, and you know we're we're on a rocky you know on again off again 
oh, I want to leave. I want a divorce. No, I don't want a divorce. I want a divorce. No, I don't want to, you know. So, um, winding uh, down. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, what, what may, what'll make you happy? And I was told pretty much, hey, let's get this house. Let's get this. And our lives will be better. Well, we get a house in Houston. It's financed through the VA, um, all in my name because mine was the only credit that was like, you know, because of work history and all that other stuff and income. Um, which your first I- wife, she was a state when I knew her best, yeah. uh, she was a stay at home mom. Yep. And because I'd come over, I told, talked about this in another podcast, I'd come over, uh, cause you guys really adopted me and yeah, you were- oh. I can't tell you how much I, I felt like uncle Jesse in full house. Yeah. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Cause I was so lonely back then. And Dude, there was this guy I liked and trusted and his amazing wife and his wonderful sons. And they made me part of the family and it was, it was great. Yeah. No, dude, the kids, the, shoot. If I talk to the kids like, Hey, uncle Momo did this. Uncle Momo's doing a podcast. They're like, <gasps> uncle Momo, dude, they still remember you. So what time frame is this exactly? Um, that was, uh, that was 2016. Okay. Uh, right after I got medically retired, my last day of service officially um, and placed on the medical retirement list was the 23rd of November, uh, 2015. That was my last day on active duty. Um, and, you know, it, I, I was proud. I, I, I got I got a flag. I got medically retired. I served my country, sure. you know, went through. You, know, you did more than most. <laughs> yeah, but. You know, the thing, the thing I'm, I'm a little upset about, um, or not upset. It's, it's, it's like, I would have liked to have tested my trade mm-hmm. more of a, a, you know, a different field other than Longstuhl Germany in the ER, um, in dermatology and neurology and you had a uh, real uh, clinic experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had some field too in El Paso, but I would have liked to have tested it out further out you know like in, on a deployment um yeah. I mean, like a combat so, deployment yes okay uh, more so than like you know ah, eh, we're going on the states we're going with border patrol we're going with this one we're going with that one we're going here we're going there we're doing this we're doing that i only went once and i was lucky i was in a room where people were asking for hands right like that almost never happens and yeah. so then i'm like oh shit i have a hand i can raise it and, yeah. you know, I was just, just random luck of the draw, but, you know, I still think that, so I noticed something, right? Yeah. Like when I was downrange, I knew guys that were like, yeah, I only got blown up like six or seven times, but I didn't really do that much. And I'm like, well, shit, I didn't get blown up once. <laughs> like, like that seems intense. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then I hear guys that spent a lot of time on active duty like yourself say oh i wish i went to because you and i are veterans of the war on terror and that's kind of our era and you say oh because there were you you regret or or you wish you had the chance to go to the two big battlefields at the time right because you feel like iraq but yeah either been cool in because you maybe and i don't want to put words in your mouth maybe you feel i don't know like like you didn't do enough or something yeah. But like then I talked to guys who spent their whole time 
in the Indiana Army National Guard, never yeah. having left Indiana hardly. And then, you know, they're like, oh, I never went on active duty. Those guys really did more than I did, right? And yeah. so I noticed there's this sort of humility that's baked into a strangely enough it might be a bug in the system rather than a feature but people always look to others and say oh that guy did more than me i wish yeah. i was cool like that fucking guy and and you know there's things i wish i got to do but yeah. you know i i was lucky i got to taste a little bit of everything yeah and i think you are, are definitely a, an amazing example to your boys of service to your nation of, of sacrifice of, of, of taking care of people. Like their dad was like doc being doc was like yeah. being a superhero. We were yeah. superheroes for us. They would oh, call we- our name and we would run to help. Like, yep. like, Oh my God. It's, it's, you know, I, I miss certain aspects of it, but then like it's cold outside and my back hurts and I'm like, I don't miss it that much. <laughs> I, I like talking about it. Um, so fast, let t- t- take me up to 2020. How was March of 2020 for you? The, the whole COVID thing and everything else. And then the scare of this, the scare of that dude, you know, after, after my, um, previous or my first wife left yeah. i was just what it's in god's hands i could get in a car be completely safe wrapped in bubble tape yeah. and then die back uh die of a car accident die of this die of that i actually have caught covid twice apparently okay and, you no know, both times i didn't feel it okay that's great uh, yeah one time i just felt like run down and like, you know, like after you work out for the first time in forever and every muscle, especially in your back muscles, you didn't know you had are just like aching. And then you get the, the cold sweats at night and you just feel like the flush and all that. That's all I felt for about two days, um, you know, rested, had some soup, hydrate, like you wouldn't believe. And next thing you know, I'm fine. Two days later. That's great, man. Yeah. So and. The kids had um, the kids had COVID. Unfortunately, they caught it from school, brought it back home, sure. went to the whole house, and um, you know I'm sure the dog and the monkey even got COVID. <laughs> so your your family's good. Everybody's good on the on. Okay, oh, that's oh yeah, that's oh yeah, that's great, man. So um, aside from that little scare, man, it's seriously, it's like wonderful. It's it not a lot of people want to work. So that's, that's why it's like easier now for a veteran like me. That's like, Hey, I'll work, but work with me. Shall I say? Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, kind of, you know, like me and the wife, um, we'll go out and about and we were, we were at a party the other day and we're recording this a couple of days after Halloween. This will come out sometime in February, March, probably. And we were out and about and we're like, Hey, where is everyone? Like, like yep. everybody's hiring. Did more people die and they just didn't tell us? Like, is Dude, the one thing about it though was the VA. I have never been in and out of an appointment like that. That was the wonderful thing. Yeah. Oh, Mister Finha, they almost had like a Belvedere waiting on me, a bellboy. Or yeah. it's like, okay, you go through this checkpoint. 
They check your temperature, ask you the questions, give you a mask, tell you to sanitize, go inside, get inside. You got somebody taking your hand pretty much and leading you where you need to go. You're in and out like that. Hey, you know, and and doctors aren't poking and prodding you because they're scared of everything. So they're just asking you questions (laughs) and opinion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They, um, well, I'm, I'm glad that your COVID experience was barely a blip on the radar. That's so great. I'm yeah. so glad. Um, so I'm going to end with this. What's your favorite part about being a dad? And talk as long as you like. Favorite part of being a dad, dude, is seeing life. You know, seeing all the things. It, it's, a, it's a reflection on my own life, too. Things I did wrong at that age. Um, then again, too, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a single dad, so there's not really many people around to hug me at the end of the day. The dog doesn't hug like people do. So I have little ones that, you know, look up to me that that I need to be better for, you know. I can't just go back to, eh, well, screw the world, screw everybody, Um I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to drink every night. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I have to set a good example for them. I have to, you know, make the future better. And I can only start with, I can only do that through my kids. So just seeing them through situations and, you know, watching how their little minds develop and watching how they have different personalities and like different things. That's probably the best part of being a parent, dude. Yeah. That, that you have these other other people that you have to care for. It's almost like having a squad of of people that you absolutely love and you would absolutely do anything for. But you live with them, you take care of them, you get into arguments with them sometimes, especially when they become teenagers, uh, teenagers and go through adolescence. Um, but that's that's the best part, man. And there's a legacy. And you know what? When I get too old, like when I'm in my 60s or 70s and they start having kids. It's like I could be that cool grandpa, but I could get that sample. When I miss it, I could go get my grandkids. And then when I get frustrated and to the point where it's like, okay, kid, you're pissing me off. It's like, time to go back to mom and dad. So that's so great, know, man. I'm so what I'm, I'm loving. Them. I I give my love to your boys. Will do. I haven't seen them in over 10 years, probably. And uh, you know, and boys, if you're listening to this, I remember each and every one of you. And I remember Cheese running around in a diaper. And I remember sleeping on the couch and Cheese hopping on my chest and sleeping there. And <laughs> your dad gave me a home and a place when I was very much by myself alone. Your dad's a really good guy. And I think we'll end there. And this, uh, Raj, I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank you for your service to the country. And I want to thank you for being a good dad. Thanks, Momo. Thank you for recognizing and thank you for, uh, thank you for all you doing, man. Uh, I mean, honestly, it was awesome to come here and talk with you today. And all right. Uh, so this is Derwin for the Blanket Fortress of Solitude, and we are signing off. <laughs>